And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning. Of course, it is the last day of January. As uh, we've already been saying this month, wow, this month is going by really quick and it's already over. Uh, so goes the month, so goes the year. That is the old Wall Street axiom. Of course, there's several that kind of fall into January. So go the first five days, so goes the month. Well, that turned out to be accurate. Um, now the question is, is so goes the month, so goes the year. That is going to be the question now as we move forward into the rest of this year with the markets. Historically speaking, and this isn't an absolute, I, I want you to be very aware of this, is that there's a lot of, of axioms this time of the year. Of course, you know, over the weekend, we now have the matchup for the Super Bowl, right? So everybody's very excited. It's good. Uh, week after next, we'll have the Super Bowl. That means we get to, uh, you know, find out if there's going to be another shortage on Velveeta cheese. So we'll figure that out shortly. Another but, kind of chip shortage. And, and could be, yeah, could be, a, could be a, a Dorito shortage mm -hmm. this year. So, by the way, have you ever seen Doritos getting made? There yeah, was there yes. was a video over the weekend. <laughs> if you ever see Doritos getting made, you'll never eat another Dorito in your <laughs> <Exactly>. life. <laughs> Just, you know, it's one of those things kind of like, you know, the old saying about, you know, watching sausage get made. Yeah, there, you don't yeah. want to know what goes in a Dorito. There you <laughs> so have it. Just know they taste good and go on with life. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, but there's another axiom, of course, you know, who wins the Super Bowl? Um, how often has, you know, to do with how the market goes out, AFC versus NFC. So, you know, there's all these things, right? None of these mean, some of these are just completely coincidental. I mean, what does the Super Bowl have to do with the stock market? Nothing. It just, statistically speaking, there is a, a you know, an, a win rate of years that are up when the NFC wins over the AFC. That's it. That's all that means. Um, you know, how that got started, who knows? Somebody did some analysis somewhere. But the point is, is there's a lot of axioms for this time of the year that really, you know, kind of look out for the rest of the year. Now, does that absolutely mean that because we had a down month that we'll have a down year? Well, statistically speaking, odds are that you typically have a higher rate of loss years than you do win years, depending on where you measure them from as well. So it depends. So you start in 1990, 1950, 1900. Those will all give you different outcomes. So the point here is, is that, look, we did have a, a weak start to the year. That is important to pay attention to. Financial markets under pressure. Why are they under pressure? They're under pressure because the Fed's going to be hiking rates. We are seeing slower economic growth. The Atlanta Fed on Friday released their first quarter GDP report, 0.1. That is not inflationary. That is deflationary. So now you've got the Fed potentially in a mode to hike rates to battle this inflation. And if we go back into 1998, 1999, Alan Greenspan was fighting this inflation boogeyman. He was convinced that inflation was coming and we were going to have a major inflation problem if he didn't start aggressively hiking rates. Well, he aggressively hiked rates until it busted the financial markets and we had the dot-com crash. So again, we now have a Fed that is aggressively expecting to combat inflation, which may not actually be there longer term. If you're taking a look at 0.1% growth on GDP, if you're, if you're looking at 
the, the weakness in disposable personal incomes as well as consumer spending relative to the surge in inventories. That all suggests that inflation may be very transient in nature and we could see more disinflationary trends this year. Now you've got the Fed hiking rates into a disinflationary environment. That really doesn't bode well for stock prices. So does that now, importantly, does that mean that every stock goes down in value? No, that's not what that means at all. It's just going to be a year where we're going to be much more akin to probably having to pick stocks and pick sectors rather than just try to buy and hold through a market of much higher volatility. That's all this means, right? None of this is meant to scare you or, or chase you into cash or make you go buy a whole portfolio full of tips, you know, whatever it is that you feel. You've got to be very careful just because these statistics say these things they are worth paying to, uh, paying attention to, right? But it doesn't mean that's absolutely the outcome. Look, if you knew the statistics of driving, you probably would never drive again, right? So, you know, we don't pay attention to those things. We, we assume we have control when we're driving the car. Same thing that we do uh, when we invest in our portfolios. We think we have control. So it's important that we at least understand what the risks are going forward and, and kind of manage for that. So, I mean, there's a lot of things happening right now economically. And we're going to get into some of those this morning. But there is a definite pressure on economic growth. One of those, of course, is the, the fact that we have a lack of liquidity. And right now, Joe Biden has a terrible problem in terms of trying to get any bills passed in, in terms of Washington with the midterm elections coming up. Um, you know, right now, Democratic candidates don't want him anywhere around them as they're trying to campaign for midterms. What that's going to mean is, is that's going to repress them from wanting to vote for any potential bills that might be in, you know, kind of in, inflammatory in their own district, right? So when they go home to campaign, if they vote for a bill that may be not favorable, that's going to get them in trouble for the midterms. Think Joe Manchin right? In particular, in Virginia, he's a good example of what I'm talking about here. Doesn't want to vote for a bill that moderate Democrats aren't going to support. That's going to put more pressure on potentially the, the, the government passing any more type of fiscal liquidity, fiscal support for the economy. So without more fiscal support coming in, now what created that massive surge in economic growth. We had 5.7% economic growth last year, right? Highest level since the 80s. Now remember, we started out 2021 expecting what? Almost 10% economic growth were the estimates. We got half of that. So we talked about this before, is that economic growth would be a lot weaker than what we initially estimated in, when we started out the year by mainstream economists. That's exactly what became the case. But all, all that, the reason that that was the case was because all that liquidity we'd put into the system was coming out of the system. Savings rates are now back to normalized trends. The, the disposable personal incomes are declining back towards trends. We're going to see that slower rate of economic growth because all those checks to households have now been spent there's, and there's no more coming at this point. So less liquidity to households, less spending. That means slower economic growth if you, as you have less demand. And if you have less demand with surging supply, which right now companies are just doing everything they can to increase supply, whether it's building new chip plants or building more auto plants, whatever it is, trying to get more supply out to the market. If they're trying to get more supply to the market at a time when demand is starting to curtail, that means prices will come down, less inflation. Now, there's going to be pockets of inflation in the economy that are going to remain for a while. No doubt about that. Higher wages are inflationary from, from the standpoint that it's a higher cost to business. So that does count into the inflation equation. 
Energy prices are likely to stay high right now for a while because, well, energy prices stick. They're sticky. They stay there for a while. So there'll be pockets of inflation in the economy, but overall inflation will start to decline as you have slower consumption as we move forward. So again, what this all relates back to is that, yes, right now we are getting a buy signal on the S&P, which is a good thing, right? So we're talking about how the markets are extremely oversold, looking for an opportunity to put some money to work, had a great Friday. Markets had a big surge, up almost three over 3% on the NASDAQ on Friday. Nice pickup here. We now have that chance to make this run here back up to resistance at the 50-day moving average. And this buy signal at a very low level is certainly supportive of that. And our over oversold conditions are starting to improve. So there is a bullish kind of setup. Now this morning, the Dow's looking to open a bit weaker. NASDAQ looking to open positive as money's moving back more towards what? The growth trade, right? Starting to put money back into growth because there is this realization that disinflation is likely to be a bigger problem here going forward than we have with inflation. So you're starting to see that rotation from value back into growth as we talked about last week and on Fox Business uh, on Friday with Charles Payne. All that on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Lots of stuff to get into this morning. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors Virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. You know, things are kind of messed up in the world when the UK police are now having to remove comments of a picture of a convicted criminal because he's very handsome. And they had lots of comments about how handsome he was on the mugshots. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know. Sounds like the rehabilitation is going well. Yeah, I know, right? Just, uh, just uh, so, when, so, when social media goes too far... <laughs> Why are you allowing comments <laughs> on your website of mugshots? That's the first thing I want to know. Oh, man. So, you know, that is an option. Anyway. What's he in for? I did, they didn't say. <laughs> He's the handsome burglar, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the hamburglar. So, <laughs> anyway, I uh, can't make this stuff up. A little anyway. early to be this silly, but I know, here right? we are. Here we are. <laughs> it's only January, too. <laughs> uh, lots of stuff to come this year. Uh, all right, so a couple of things. Um, Dr. Johnny Fever passed away today. I know. Yeah. And there, That was a great character. It, it was. Especially for but, radio people. Right. It was WKRP yeah. in, in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Go Bengals. One of the best... <laughs> one of the best 
skits they ever did is they had Dr. Johnny Fever in the studio mm -hmm. and they had a sheriff come in and sit next to him. You'll probably remember this. And the whole goal was is that Dr. Johnny Fever was going to be on the air to do a public service announcement about drinking and driving. You <laughs> yes. remember this? Yes. So the the sheriff comes in or the policeman comes in and sitting next to Johnny Fever in the studio and they're doing a live test and they have a bell on the table. And what Johnny Fever would do is he'd take a drink and then he'd hit the bell. <laughs> and the goal was to show that as the more you drank, the slower your reflexes got. Um, of course, that's why it's impairing your driving. And so the police officer's there, Dr. Johnny Fever's there. And so they're trying to explain this whole setup about the more you drink, the worse your reflexes get, which is why you get into auto accidents while you're driving. Of course, the problem is the more that Dr. Johnny Fever drinks, the faster his <laughs> reflexes keep getting. <laughs> Gulp ding. Exactly. Gulp ding. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you had the... Uh, you had uh, Les Nessman. Oh, yes. <laughs> he was <With> the <laughs> duct tape walls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talking about the Jehuahua cheese. <laughs> so. We could anyway, go on and on. Yeah, and on. This, this, it, was a, it was a great series. And it's a, I don't think they rerun that anymore. But mm. anyway, if you ever get a chance to watch some of the old WKRP in Cincinnati, it, it actually was, especially if you're in the radio biz. It was. They need to sell really a box set. They, they really do. Yeah. It's kind of like Seinfeld before Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. Right? So mm. anyway, uh, we digress. I apologize this morning, but honestly, that's just it. Um, so interesting. You know, we've talked about this on the show before when it comes to cryptocurrency. So a couple of very interesting um, developments with cryptocurrency over the last you know, week in particular, a new securities exchange is being approved or in the process of approval that would allow securities transactions to transact on blockchain technology. Now, this is something we've talked about in the past. And, you know, cryptocurrency is interesting because of, you know, its kind of structured nature but everybody's kind of focusing on the currency side of crypto technology and not so much on the blockchain side, which is really where the benefit of this whole thing is, which theoretically, in, in theory, this is, is that you could eliminate the middleman out of a lot of transactions because you can have security of information, security of transfer of, 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 of data and and paperwork, et cetera. Uh, think about, for instance, with real estate. You have the transfer of title. You've got the buyers, the sellers. And with blockchain technology, you could make that all extremely secure so that you would no longer need title companies. In theory. Now, this is the theory, right? You could eliminate the banks entirely for doing transactions. You wouldn't need to wire money from one bank to another. You just do it directly across the blockchain technology from one party to the other, and that's that would be it. So, you know, blockchain technology itself and the, the development and use of blockchain has been somewhat slow relative to the adoption of cryptocurrency as a kind of a speculative asset at this point, just kind of trading the, the currency itself. But this new exchange would attempt to begin this process of implementing securities transactions on the back of blockchain technology. So it's a very interesting 
thing to watch. I'm, it's you know it's it's in its approval stages. If it gets approved, this could be kind of a, a bit of a game changer to to a degree because it would, in theory. And again, we have to see how this goes. Of course, lots of regulatory environments have to be put together, et cetera, and, and this is going to be a while. But in theory, you could eliminate a big bro you could eliminate the brokerages in the middle, right? Uh, two individuals in theory could transact a securities transaction. In other words, Brent and I could transact a security transaction between us without having to go through a market maker. So it's a, this is going to be a really interesting thing to watch. So that's on the positive side. On the negative side, we've talked about this in the past. I, sh I shouldn't say it's negative. It's not negative, but it does have implications. Um, we've talked about in the past that the one of the, the biggest impediments potentially to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general is ultimately government regulation. And that there's a reason you can't print currency in your basement. And it's to control the currency that's in circulation, right? If everybody could just print $100 bills in their, in their basement, then, you know, obviously, what value would the currency have? It would have none. And this is why, and, and the reason that governments want to control currencies is not just for the sake of just controlling the currency. It's national security. It's understanding where money flows are, uh, economic growth, those type of things. It's, it's important to understand and know where currency is moving, how it's moving. This is why we have things like M2 money supply. We want to know these things, right? Because this is what tells us how the economy is functioning, where it's functioning. And more importantly, from a national security basis, we want to know who owns the currency, right? Who, who's got it? Right. It's, it's important. Right. Is it all going to fund terrorists or, you know, is it being used as it's supposed to be? So, you know, this has always been one of the potential, you know, drawbacks or hangups for cryptocurrency moving forward, which is regulation. We've talked about this a lot in the past and talking about how eventually when cryptocurrency gets to the point that it may or does become a threat to U.S. currency, that you would likely start to see the government step in to start a regulation process. Well, you know, that we got a lot of pushback saying that previously. <laughs> um, but here's, uh, I'm just going to read from you this uh, article from this past weekend. Um, the White House wants to bring order to the haphazard approach that is currently being employed by regulators to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. The White House wants to set out a cohesive set of policies to regulate Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as currently legislation and its enforcement are scattered across sectors and agencies, according to multiple reports. The Biden administration will release an executive order in the coming weeks to task federal agencies with assessing the risk and opportunities that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies pose. Now, what? You know, what risk and opportunities could they possibly propose, right? As they quote, it is a matter of national security. That's it. And it's exactly what we've talked about in the past. Um, according to Barron's, that reported on Thursday, this is designed to look holistically at digital assets and develop a set of policies that give coherency to what the government is trying to do in this space because digital assets don't stay in one country. It's necessary to work with other countries on synchronization. 
The regulatory efforts reportedly involve State Department, Treasury Department, National Economic Council, Council of Economic Deniers, as well as the White House and National Security Council. As the administration gauges, the cryptocurrencies have economic implications for national security. Now, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You've got to know where your currency is going. And the idea, you know, there's the kind of the initial allure of Bitcoin was it's anonymous. Nobody knows I've got it. Well, that was also what we said back then is that yeah, that's the problem with it, because ultimately the government wants to know two things. Who owns the currency? Is it going to fund terrorism or other nefarious issues? And B, I want my taxes. <laughs> out of it so you know if i can buy bitcoin anonymously and hide from taxes you know that's not good for the government and there and it's just only a function of time until we get there now you know this is this is important because this is two there's a good thing and and kind of a, a bad thing about this first the bad thing is is obviously with regulation um it is going to destroy some of the underlying you know, reasons for wanting to own bit, uh, cryptocurrency, right? Which is the anonymity of it. It's also going to slow down the volatility. That's a good thing, right? Uh, the good thing is it'll, it, a regulated version of this will slow down the volatility. So you won't have these 50% swings. And then that will allow cryptocurrency to actually become adopted as a medium of actual exchange, right? So if I can transact business on a, a cryptocurrency or a digital currency, without suffering 50% swings, it'll make it more adoptable for businesses to start accepting cryptocurrency as it. But the other problem becomes with this is that, you know, right now, just anybody can create a currency. This kind of goes back to the whole thesis of a, you know, kind of being able to print dollars in my basement. So if anybody can print currency, it really has a lot of other implications. Again, going back to national security, why they want to regulate this. This is going to start having to go. If you want to issue a cryptocurrency, you're going to have to go through a big regulatory process, just like with anything else that you want to issue securities or whatever it is. You're going to have to go through a regulatory process, which will slow down also the issuances of new currencies. That's a good thing, because when we do get back to the basis of what creates value, it's supply relative to demand. And when you have a finite supply of something, increases the value of it. So good news is and bad news is about what's happening with government. But it is interesting because now for the first time, the government has said, and actually giving credence to cryptocurrencies, that has now become a matter of national security. Be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com are you leaving thousands in social security money on the table prepare to properly claim your social security at our next virtual lunch and learn what boomers need to know about social security your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later join richard rosso and danny ratliff for our next ria advisors virtual lunch and learn thursday february 10th at noon what boomers need to know about social security Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So Brent always puts a few headlines on my uh, 
board in the morning just to make sure I have plenty of stuff to talk about, which is never generally a problem. But this one that jumped out this morning, Los Angeles tackles zombies ahead of Super Bowl. <laughs> I knew it. Yes. As you heard in the promo, why I own more than five guns. I'm really just prepping for the uh, <laughs> end of the world zombie attack, right? Apparently, it's going to start in L.A. <laughs> no, it's impossible. Everything starts in New York. That's true. Well, not really true because it actually started in Atlanta mm. in The Walking Dead Yeah, because of the CDC, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. CDC releases some viral contagion. Oh, that could never zombies. happen. Yeah, that would, that would never, never be the that be the case couldn't have some pandemic come no. from some lab that would that's totally I mean, just what, stupid what are you thinking <laughs> it's so science fiction <laughs> but yes uh so yes los angeles is in a big cleanup mode everybody's upset because they're trying to shove all the homeless people out of la so <laughs> yeah. they can you know get ready for the super bowl so people are upset it's like well why are you treating the, the homeless people that way well <laughs> <laughs> Got to go. Got to clean up our act. Uh, we did it here in Houston, by the way, too. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so a couple of things. Uh, the next CPI print's coming out here soon. And what's going to be important to watch, of, of course, is now, again, you, you know, these current CPI prints, these current inflationary prints, as we were saying earlier, is, or are, I should say, are important because right now you're still seeing used car prices are up. Rental prices are up uh, for housing, homeowners equivalent rent. Uh, energy prices are up. And those are certainly for or suggesting that inflation is raging in the economy. And it's true. I'm not going to deny that a bit. In fact, you know, you're seeing a couple of things. Interesting headlines, of course. Uh, the Atlanta Fed, uh, Bostic came out and said that a 50 basis point rate hike is probably needed by the Fed in March to combat inflation. Well, the problem is, is that, okay, do we have inflation yet? Right, right now, absolutely we do. Sure do, right? Running more than 7% and, you know, that's the whole thing. The problem, as I was saying earlier on the show, is that, you know, retaliating against inflation too quickly could be problematic. So again, there's a 7% inflation, much higher than what the Fed's target rate of 2% is. Bostic is saying, hey, you know what? We need to hike 50 basis points, right? We need to be more aggressive about combating inflation. Now let's go back to the premise of, of why we hike rates, right? Let, let's not extract the two for a moment. You're worried about inflation, so you're saying, oh, we need to hike rates, we need to have tighter monetary policy, et cetera. Okay, got it. Inflation should be commensurate with economic growth. Well, we just had 5.7% economic growth in the fourth quarter. So 7% inflation, 5.7% economic growth. Interest rates coming up here from recent lows, about you know 1.8%-ish on the 10-year Treasury. That's lower than it should be in an economy growing at almost 6%. And you know, inflation running at seven. So we hike rates in order to do what? How do you quail inflation? Well, you have to slow economic growth. That's it. Inflation is a function of supply and demand. 
So if you want to slow inflation, you need to slow the supply-demand equation. In other words, I need to bring supplies up and I need to reduce demand. That brings prices down. So that's obviously, you know, where we tend to misconstrue things is we, we think that we can manipulate interest rates on a risk-free basis. But if you like your job and you like your lifestyle now, hiking interest rates to quail inflation is going to make that worse because you're going to slow economic growth. When I slow economic growth, what happens to the demand for jobs? Demand for jobs might be there, but the supply of jobs will contract. Layoffs. As demand begins to fall, I don't need as many workers. Wages fall because, well, those that want to come work for me and, and a point of a slower economic environment can come work for me, but they're going to be paid less. So all the things that we were championing because of the massive surge of liquidity that were thrown into the markets. Remember Joe Biden talking about how we're, you know, these liquidity programs, these programs are going to lift 40% of the population out of poverty. And I wrote an article that says that's true for one year. And now we'll see the other side of that. Now liquidity is gone and inflation is up. They go right back into poverty. But if you start to try to quell inflation by hiking rates, just understand that that is not an isolated incident, that that is a function of economic growth. And if I slow economic growth, I'm going to slow inflation. And if you are betting, this is the subject of our article that is out on the website today talking about hard assets. Are they a trap in the making? If inflation is slowing and I am all loaded up on one side of the investment trade chasing hard assets and commodities in general because I'm, I'm betting on higher inflation, right? So I went out and I bought all these commodity stocks. I went and bought, you know, hard assets, whatever, because that's what should perform well in a high inflationary environment. No argument with that, by the way. However, if I ran into that trade and the Fed is now beginning to counteract that by hiking rates to slow economic growth, reduce inflation, then I don't want to be in the hard asset trade. I want to be in a trade where I'm starting to see companies that can grow earnings in a slower economic environment. That is not hard assets and commodities where it is driven by demand for those commodities. Emerging markets also do not perform well in that environment. So this is important as, you know, and, and again, I'm not talking about go, you know, shift your entire portfolio today because we're going to have inflation here over the next couple of months. So you, know, you don't kill that overnight. But you need to start thinking ahead down the road. And this is the purpose of the article on the website today. You need to be thinking ahead of where we're going to be over the next 12, 18 months as the Fed does indeed become more aggressive about trying to slow the rate of inflation. Now, whether or not the Fed hikes 50%, uh, 50 basis points in March is, you know, who knows? I doubt it. I, I think the Fed is going to be much more slow at this point of hiking rates. In other words, quarter basis point each meeting, tapering off their balance sheet, you know, kind of that orderly process that they have been telegraphing and talking about. I think the one thing they don't want to do is come out and shock the markets. 
too much leverage, too much debt in the markets and the economy to come out and do something where they actually create a financial cataclysm of an unwind, an, an, a disorderly unwinding of assets and debt. And so I think they're going to be much more sensitive to that because, again, as we talked about before, the biggest thing for the Fed and, they, and, and you know, they I've got an article coming out on Friday talking about the big, you know, Jerome Powell's big lies is, well, we're not really that concerned about financial stability. Yeah, you are, <laughs> because if you weren't concerned about financial stability, you wouldn't be bailing out banks and corporations and buying junk bonds every time the market gets a little bit weak. So, yeah, financial stability is a big thing, it's a huge thing for the Fed. If you lose control of the credit markets in particular, it's a dramatically big problem for the Fed. So the, the point here is this, is that, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails. And so this Saturday, this past Saturday, we had candy coffee. And we went through a lot of this conversation on Saturday talking about the risk of disinflation as we move further into this year. And Brent said that he's going to be working feverishly and have the the – rerun of that available by 7.30 this morning. So I'm teasing. It'll be, it'll or be a little too- later today, <laughs> but it'll be up today. It'll be up today or yeah. tomorrow. We'll, we'll get it for you. But it'll, it'll be up shortly. So if you didn't, if you weren't able to tune in, we spent about an hour going through this idea of inflation, disinflation, markets going out for the rest of this year, what the risks are, you know, positioning, those type of things. And it was a good conversation. But the, the biggest takeaway from that was is that if, and I, again, I'm getting a lot of emails of people that are piling into precious metals, piling into energy stocks, piling into the hard asset trade, piling into a ver- variety of commodities. Again, that's okay. But as I show you in today's article, the commodities market is one driven by booms and busts, and there's really no in-between for commodities. It is either booming or it's busting. And there's not a period where it just kind of goes sideways a little bit. So you need to be careful of overweighting your portfolio to a very highly volatile asset class. Doesn't mean you won't make money near term. I'm not saying that at all. Just be careful and make sure that you have very tight risk controls in your portfolio if you are chasing that trade because when the inflation trade turns it tends to trade it, it tends to turn very quickly for the negative attitudes change very quickly and of course the one thing you really want to watch is the dollar and we have a chart on that as well there is a real potential here the dollar is starting to break out on various levels and if we see a very sharp surge in the dollar that's really going to be problematic for really assets in general, but primarily the commodities market as well. So anyway, that's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. It's called Hard Assets, the Trap in the Making on the website now. And we'll be right back after the break.
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Are you leaving thousands in Social Security money on the table? Prepare to properly claim your Social Security at our next virtual Lunch and Learn. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Your claiming choices now can affect your loved ones later. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for our next RIA Advisors Virtual Lunch and Learn. Thursday, February 10th at noon. What boomers need to know about Social Security. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. the show i'm your host Lance roberts uh okay so we had a question on youtube just a second ago on our youtube chat channel saying you know hey i criticize the fed for keeping rates too low now i'm criticizing the fed for hiking rate. i'm not criticizing anybody about anything what i'm saying is is that the fed is indicative of creating booms and busts in markets and you need to understand from a portfolio perspective exactly what you're doing um in terms of the fed and the Fed is talking about hiking rates. And if they, the reason they're hiking rates is because they're combating inflation. They're wrong. Um, we have disinflationary pressures already showing up in the economy. They haven't even hiked rates yet. So should they hike rates? Yeah, they don't really have much of a choice because if they get caught at the zero bound and we have a recession later this year or next year, as liquidity extracts from the markets, they've got nowhere to go. So they need to hike rates. They have to. It's Now, the problem with hiking rates is it's going to cause a recession. <laughs> Pay attention to what's happening with the yield curve right now. Yield curve is dropping sharply. So that's already telling you that there's problems economically. Economic growth is going to slow further this year. Earnings are overestimated. So earnings are have to come down. That's going to be problematic for markets and valuations. So my point is you're walking into, or the Fed is, walking into a bit of a trap. The Fed should have never lowered rates. You know, look, the, since 1980, the Fed has been on the wrong side of the coin. They've constantly created booms and busts going all the, back, all the way back to the 1980s. Should have never started QE. Should have allowed banks to go through the dissolution process back in 2008. Now, see, this is where a lot of people go, well, that would have really created problems in the economy. Yeah, it would have sucked for about three years. But five banks would not be... 60, 70% of your banking economy anymore, right? It would, have been, it would have been broken out. You've gone through a dissolution process. J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all those companies would have been broken up, absorbed by middle-tier banks, which would now be larger banks spread out across the country. And you would have a much healthier economy. You would have allowed people to go through the bankruptcy process. They could have gotten out of homes that they bought that they shouldn't have instead of being locked into homes in areas that don't have jobs. So, yeah, it would have been terrible for the economy for about three years. Now you'd be in a much better position. But, see, we didn't choose to do that. We decided to allow the Fed and banks to take control of markets and create the environment that we're in today. And so that's why you now have wealth inequality. You've got surging levels of debt because economic growth can't live in an environment of ultra-low interest rates. So the Fed's been wrong. They've been wrong on both sides. The problem is they keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. At some point, you got to try something different. 
you need to be aware at some point also that what the Fed does won't matter. Now, when that's the case, I have no idea. But each time that we do a round of QE or zero interest rates or whatever it is, you get less effect from it. In other words, it's requiring more. So it's so ever since 1980, in order to boost the economy, it's requiring lower and lower and lower interest rates, more and more debt to get the same dollars worth of economic growth. So this is what we call efficacy. The efficacy of these monetary interventions are less and less each time. Now you're at zero. And you're doing $120 billion a month in QE, highest level ever, to get lower rates of economic growth. So at some point, the Fed's going to come to the fore and say, well, we're going to go to zero interest rates and we're going to do $300 billion a month in QE and the markets are going to go down. Because there is a lifeline to these things that is to the point of where it simply won't work anymore. And that's just, it's, you know, think about this like a, you know, like a medication. You take a medication for something for a long period of time, you build up an immunity to the medication, whatever it is, right? A drug. So you got to keep taking. So actually, drugs would be better than medication. So I'm, I'm, you know, I take a drug, and I take it, and I get an effective high out of it. And in order to get the same high, I've got to keep taking more and more and more of the drug to get the same high out of it. Right? That's the problem with Fed policy, is that the markets and the economy are now addicted to that policy. And if you withdraw the policy, you're going to get withdrawals in the economy and the markets. That's just a function. But it requires more and more of that policy to get the same effect in the future. And that's the problem. If you take a look at economic inequalities, you take a look. So a good, good example, that's more Wall Street Journal article out this morning talking about Savings and they and and they show this chart and it, it breaks it down by income classes. And it says the title of the article is that people were able to say households were able to save more money since the pandemic. Top 10% of income earners have saved like a hundred thousand dollars. Big blind on the graph. And then everybody else, every other income bracket is a smidge. <laughs> All these policies make the rich richer because they're the ones that have assets to, to invest, right? I've got cash to invest. Everybody else is simply just trying to make ends meet. And that's the bottom 80% of the population. And these economic policies, despite what the Fed tells you, like, oh, yeah, we're going to get stronger economic growth this year and we always come in under target. And again, you just go back to look at what estimates were at the beginning of 2021 versus where we wound up. 2020 was the same way. These policies don't create economic growth. It pulls forward consumption, right? If I give you money, and this is the whole inflationary surge right now, and the Fed's mistake on hiking inflation or hiking interest rates. The inflation you have right now is because you injected $5 trillion worth of fiscal liquidity into the economy. You sent checks to households. You gave people money to spend. They went and spent it. What did you expect them to do? Save it? People don't save money. Are you crazy? 
Only rich people save money. So they went out and spent it. They bought cars. They bought computers. They bought stuff. Home Depot. Remember, remember we were having reporting here during the pandemic, in the, in the height of the pandemic, where this thing's raging across the country. We've shut the economy down. People can't go to work. Remember, the, the, remember these stories. We were sending checks, $1,400 checks to households. People couldn't go to work. So what were they doing? They were all in Home Depot. <laughs> Talk about super spreaders. They're all in Home Depot buying crap to fix up their house. Because you sent them money. So that created demand in the economy. That's great. But all you did now is, so let's say I went out and, you know, I have a, you know, a small house with, you know, a 12-foot yard in it. So I go out and buy a riding lawnmower because I have $1,400. So I get my backyard and I just like mowing circles real quick. But now I have this riding lawnmower. Great. I've got it, right? I'm not going to buy another one, right? If I went and bought a lawnmower, I'm not going to buy another one. If I built, if I bought stuff to fix up my house, my house is fixed up. I'm not going to go buy more. If I replace my fridge, my dryer, whatever, done. So what I did is I pulled forward all that consumption into 2021. Now, it's, it's, it's the old saying, what are you going to do for me now? What are you going to do to pull forward consumption from 2023 into 2022 to create economic growth? If you can't do that, what's going to happen with inflation? Think about it. And that's my point. So, no, I'm not being contrarian at all, and I appreciate the comment. But it's important to understand that what we talk about here is that the Fed is wrong, period. What they are doing is not good economically. It's not good for you. It's not good for the economy. It's great for the banks. It's great for people that are investing capital. I'm not going to deny that a bit, right? If you're investing, mar if you're investing into the stock market, what the Fed does is good for that. But congratulations, you're also in the top 10% of the population because 90% of the stock market is owned by the top 10% of income earners. So if you're listening to the show, congratulations. You're probably in the top 10% of income earners. And you're sitting there going, wow, well, I only make $100,000 a year. Yeah, you're in the top 10% of income earners. You know, we talked about this the other day. They took a poll of young people and, and they, they asked young people, they go, well, you know, when you, you know, go out in the world, what do you think people, what do you think everybody else makes in the world salary rise? Uh, everybody else makes $150,000. What do you make? I make, I make $40,000. Everybody else makes all this, you know, everybody else is making more money than me. And that's why we need higher minimum wages. We need this because everybody else is making more money than me. No, the, the median wage in the country is about $55,000, $60,000. That's the median. So, you know, this idea that everybody else is making more money than you, and if you're making $100,000, $120,000, $150,000 a year, congratulations, you're doing awesome. And I know a lot of people making $100,000, $120,000, $150,000 a year that can't make ends meet. Choices we make. Lifestyles that we live. Same for everybody. You know, I, 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 I honestly, I mean, I've taken my kids to Disney World, right? I've done that. I've done that whole thing. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> it's incredibly expensive, but I know people that take their kids to Disney literally every year. I'm like, how do you do it? Okay, it's on debt, but that's how they do it.
So, yeah, just things to think about. If you can't pull forward consumption from 23 into 22, inflation's not a problem. It'll take care of itself. Wraps up the show for today. Hard assets. Are they a trap in the making? It's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. Big thing to watch for, of course, is the dollar. Uh, this morning, Dow looking to point down about 170 points. Uh, S&P down a bit. NASDAQ up today. A uh, bit of a rotation from that uh, value trade back to growth. So kind of keep a watch on that. Uh, be sure you're by the website. We will have the Candid Coffee event up discussing inflation versus disinflation. Went through that on Saturday. We'll have that video for you up today on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow. It's a rich man's world.